0: As we continue to grow the HSCT warrior community, illuminate the invisibilities of autoimmune disease, recognize the possibilities of a future free from disease progression, connect through our shared experiences, and advocate for an inclusive society. I'm so glad you've joined us. Thank you for asking me to. Oh my gosh, it's just a joy to connect with someone from Australia to yeah. begin with, but yeah, <laughs> just really also anyone that's willing to share their journey because it can be a vulnerable experience. And so I just extend gratitude to you for being vulnerable with us.
1: Well, thank you. So how is your day going? Yeah, good. It's only the morning I got up, had some coffee, had a bit of breakfast, not doing anything very exciting today. Yeah, it's good. I'm going to do a bit of study later. But just taking it easy. Wonderful.
0: So, were you impacted at all by the wildfires?
1: There was a lot of smoke that came over my area. And when I went outside, it would irritate my eyes and then it would flare my like optic neuritis pain. Mm. But that was the only thing that really affected me because we, we were just far enough away that we didn't have to be evacuated or anything like that. Sure. So, we were lucky. Yeah.
0: Still tragedy.
1: Yeah, it was definitely horrible. And
0: so I'm glad you're through it okay. For anyone listening, I'm speaking with Jess Green. It's just neat talking with you because when I look at our listenership around the world, it's exciting that we are indeed global and Australia is one of our top five countries of listenership. Yeah, that's good. It's exciting. So it's morning where you are on the other side of the world and it's about to be evening here in my yep. lovely hometown of Cincinnati, Ohio. So yeah. So amazing that technology can connect us.
1: Yeah. It's I don't know, are, are you behind or am I or I am. So today is So yes. I'm in the future.
0: Yes. Yeah. Tell me what the future looks like.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the future is finally clearing in the sky and we've got some blue sky after about 3 days of rain. So mm where the future is sunny,
0: the future is bright. Indeed. (laughs) Indeed it is. That's lovely. So tell us more about how you even came to find out about HSCT and, or your experience with MS leading up to HSCT.
1: Well, um, I was finishing my first year of university and it was just after exams and my eye, my right eye started to hurt and I thought it was just I'd been staring at the screen for the last year and I'd been doing exams and it was just eye strain but after a while it didn't go away so I went to the doctor and he sent me to the optometrist who had a look in my eye and he called my doctor back while I was in the office and Like looking back now, that seemed a bit weird, but I didn't think it was weird at the time. Mm. Like the optometrist calling my GP and he said, oh, you should get your patient to book in to have an MRI today as Mm. soon as possible. So my GP booked me in. I had an MRI that day and I went back to my GP, um, I think it was the day after, and he said, you have inflammation in your optic nerve, and it looks like you've got MS. Wow. In your brain. So I think it was two days after that, I went and saw my first neurologist, and then I had a lumbar puncture a couple of days after that, my first round of IV steroids a couple of days after that. So it all happened in like a week. Wow. a bit of eye pain yeah it was it was super quick so a little bit eye pain to lumbar puncture IV steroids and MS in about a week Mm. so it was pretty shocking yeah
0: how did that feel
1: it was just like like overwhelming and a bit like what does this even mean and so I researched and that's what I do I research everything and so I just started to research and one of the first things I ever researched was HSCT, and I looked up so much about it. And I read so much about it and I asked heaps of doctors about it and then it kind of like fell away and I didn't think about it for another couple of years.
0: Well, yeah. So when was the, all of this, the diagnosis? And...
1: Yeah. So the diagnosis was January of 2017. So okay. it's not that long ago. And then yeah, two years went by, and I was looking up HSCT again because I had failed three drugs. I'd failed capaxone, Galenia, and Acrobat. Oh, my goodness. And my my doctors were kind of out of a loss. They were like, you, you keep relapsing. We have no drugs for you. We don't know what to do. And I said to my neurologist, send my stuff, to like all my files and that to um, Saint Vincent's, they're having a clinical trial. I found the clinical trial online, and I said, "Send, send the stuff." And he said, "I've sent stuff before, and I've got no replies. Don't get your hopes up. This isn't going to happen for you." And a week later, they called me and said, "Can we meet you?" I said, "Of course." And oh then, my gosh! And then I on the it was the 24th of September in 2018 that i went and met with my team and i didn't even like at that meeting i thought they were just going to talk to me about it because it was a clinical trial but they had already accepted me they were they were telling me what was going to happen oh, and wow. I, I had to yeah i had to stop at one point and go um like are we doing this or are we just talking about doing this? Cause I didn't know if they were, if they wanted me or they were just talking to me, but they said, yeah, this is what we're doing. Welcome.
0: Gee whiz. How did that feel?
1: That was a lot because like the information that the doctors were giving me were, it was just an overwhelming amount of information. It was, this is how much chemo you're going to get. This is what's going to happen to your body. This, this, this. And it was just an overload of information.
0: All at once, right? As you're finding out just the possibility. Wow.
1: And that was, I was finishing, that was, I was finishing my third year of uni when this was happening. So I did all of my exams for my last year of university. And I immediately after I finished my exams, I started IVF. And after IVF finished in January of 2019, I started my first chemo, cyclophosphamide. And then I had about nine days of GCSF shots in my belly to um, stimulate the stem cell growth. And then I had the aspheresis to get my stem cells out and they took some platelets as well and, my veins weren't good enough. So I had to go and get a VASCAF to get the stem cells out, which was fun, fun times. Sure. Getting, getting a Vascaf in your neck is never good. And your jugular, right? Yeah. 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 It's a little intimidating. Yeah. It's yeah. Cause you think like that's your jugular. If they, if they cut that, isn't, aren't you meant to bleed to death? Like, mm. oh
0: yeah. Well, and even just <laughs> when they remove it, right? They need to seal uh, it up real good for a while.
1: Oof. It's such a weird feeling yeah. having it pulled out. Yes. Like a long noodle getting pulled out of your brain. <laughs> yeah. Very weird. And I got 10 million stem cells. Wow. So we were good. Like I could have had the transplant twice over if needed. So I didn't Indeed. need to go back. Wonderful. Because yeah, it was really great. And I like, I couldn't have handled another, another round of those gcsf shots because the bone pain Mm. got was it was debilitating it was just insane
0: so did they allow you to have some pretty heavy duty painkillers as part of the protocol yeah because that's also in the states they allow that too
1: yeah i i had to go to the hospital at one point and get some even bigger pain meds because I, I just couldn't walk. I couldn't move. That pain mode. was unreal. Yeah, it is brutal. Yeah. Some people don't get it, which it's amazing. is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how, I, but those people are blessed.
0: Indeed they are. And so in your research about HSCT, when did they open the trials in Australia? Because I know for a long time, Australia was the only continent not offering HSCT.
1: Yeah, so they had um, the first trial that they did was down in Melbourne um, in Victoria, which they don't do that trial anymore. That trial has been shut and closed. And the trial for St Vincent's, the one that I did in Sydney, that trial has been going for five or six years now. I think there has, there was a few patients that were very early on, that was like maybe eight years ago. But um, it's still open. They're still accepting patients. So if anyone's in Australia and is listening to this and wants to try and get on the clinical trial, it's Dr. John Moore and Dr. Barbara Withers. And they are at St. Vincent's in Sydney. Wonderful. And they're still, yeah, they're still accepting patients. But the the criteria is strict. Sure. So... You have to have failed at least three DMDs already. And you have to have active disease. You have to be a certain level of disability. All of those, you know, standard strict clinical trial. Qualifiers, sure. Yeah.
0: Sure. So you said you found HSCT just doing your own research online. Was it part of like Facebook groups that you were in or?
1: A few Facebook groups, a few... um, you know most like a lot of google searches and like i was i'm lucky enough that i had access to my university's library system sure. so i could look up the journal articles and um like the medical articles and see like the clinical trials outcomes and the things that they have published so i had a little bit of an advantage there because i could get into the the library system but you can it, it's if you want to look up clinical trials that that's just free to look up on the government websites right. and stuff. And I just, you just got to know, you just keep digging. I think keep digging for information.
0: Sure. Yeah. It is very fortunate to have access to those medical journals. The nonprofit we started here has a lot of uh, peer reviewed journal articles available on the website for anyone to access as well as videos yeah. And then copies of
1: this podcast. Yeah, it's, it's a good thing to, like, obviously, sometimes they're really hard to read, and you have to sometimes I have to sit there and Google every second word, but you get the information in the end.
0: Indeed. And that's part of the goal of the podcast, right? And sharing everyone's stories so that people can hear, yeah,
1: yeah. hear more
0: about it. Mm. And so you harvested 10 million stem cells. That's amazing. And
1: yes. So did, I did you get
0: like a reprieve at all between harvest. Them yeah. So, in
1: the next phase. Mm-hmm. So after the harvest, I had three weeks of just rest. I did a lot of like, I did a lot of things with my family and my friends and I went to the beach and I, I did like things that made me happy and ate all of my favorite foods and, and dyed my hair bright purple and mm. did all those things. And then on Valentine's day, actually of last year, I went in, I got admitted to St. Vincent's. I got my central line put in, which I don't understand why they do that while you're awake. Like (laughs) I was, (laughs) I was awake when that happened. And I just, I just don't think anybody should be. Yeah. And they just numb you. Right. Yeah. They like, and yes, you can't feel it. It's not, it doesn't, it's not painful. You can still feel pressure you can feel pressure, you can feel the tugging yeah. and the squeezing mm. and it, you're laying on a, like a, uh, like a flat metal table. And it's just, it's really traumatic. I don't think they should make you stay awake for that, but I did it and it's over now. So, right. Congratulations. you survived.
0: <laughs> it is. That. Yeah. And like, I can remember, and maybe this was when they were placing the jugular cath, they were paying attention to my heartbeat and my breathing. And I I guess at some point had such a slow heart rate and kind of held my breath because of whatever they were doing. Yeah. Like my heart kind of skipped a beat and they didn't hear it on the regular pattern that it should have beat. And they like everyone in the room, you could just feel the tension. They were like,
1: (gasps) Oh, you must've scared them. And then my heartbeat again.
0: And they're like, just keep breathing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. It was But yeah, no, you do, you do hold your breath. You're like, Oh, what's the, what's the next thing I'm going to feel.
0: Yeah. And just get this over with. And so how did it go for you? How (laughs) was the inpatient stay?
1: It was pretty bad. Like I won't, like I won't sugarcoat it. It was bad. The after the day after I got my central line, I started my beam chemo. So I had 11 rounds of chemo over the time. I think it was six days. So the beam stands for, it's the acronym of the four chemo drugs that they use. Mm. But they're not, they don't all start with the same letter. So the B is not for B and the E is, the E stands for the E, but then the A doesn't stand for an A word. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. The acronym's a bit off, but, or there's four different chemos and the acronym is BEAM. So there's a few days where you have two chemo drugs at the same time over three days and that's, they were horrible. Brutal. The side effect, like every side effect that they tell you, you could have from chemotherapy. I got it.
0: Oh, I'm so sorry. It
1: was, <laughs> it's just the way it went. Like I just, I had, I was very hard to control my nausea. It was very hard to control my bowels. It was very hard for me to walk. I couldn't, I was, yeah, it was, it was a really tough time, but um, I got to the end of it and I got my stem cells put in, put back in, and then the worst of it happened for me. So the six days of chemo were bad, but the next four, four, 13, 14 days, oh. I don't really remember.
0: Mm.
1: So the things that I know about that that time, I know from accounts from my boyfriend and my mom and my dad and the people that were there because I got, so I had my stem cells put back in on the 21st of February and then the 22nd and the 23rd, I had a 10 hour infusion each day of um, horse ATG. Mm -hmm. And I was allergic to, Oh, actually, I got serum sickness from the a t g, mm. and so they had to give me a ton of antibiotics, sure, and I was allergic to one of the antibiotics oh my goodness, and I got a fever and I had a fever for about three days that was sitting on like forty forty one mm. which I don't know what that is in i don't,
0: I don't either <laughs> <laughs> um. I'll convert it real Shall quick I, while you're talking. You keep Yeah, talking. yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. It was like 40, 41. My heart rate was jumping from like, from it was up to 200, 210, 220. The rapid response team was coming in. They were, they were, it was really bad. That's like, terrifying. I was not responding well. I was, del- I was delusional from the fever. My mom said I was, saying weird things and I was doing weird things. And I had a rash that covered my entire body mm. from the serum sickness that I was, um, apparently I was just scratching myself out of my skin because I was it just so itchy from this oh rash. The one thing I do remember very clearly is, you know, when you get a fever and you're very, very cold. And I remember, they, that the doctors and the nurses were putting cold, like cold towels and ice on my body to bring my fever down because nothing else was working. And I remember just screaming in pain because they were putting cold on my already cold body. Right. But just to try and bring that fever down because, like, as quickly as possible so it was not responding. But, yeah, it was so, it was it was hard time. I didn't have it easy, but that's okay. And the people who who don't get like a lot of side effects, like that's amazing mm. and I want to know their secret. <laughs> but I, I got through it and my family got me through it and the nurses and the doctors were amazing and like the support that they gave me in there, I wouldn't have been able to do it if I didn't have that.
0: It's amazing I got mu- the quality of doctors Sorry. and care that you get in those transplant wards.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. They were on top of it. Every, everything I needed, it was there. So I knew, like I knew I was getting taken care of even in those moments when I was, I was delusional or I was in so much pain and, but I knew that I was getting, I was getting taken care of. So for it that was a comfort.
0: Your fever of 40 is equivalent yep. to 104 Fahrenheit and a fever of 41 is equivalent to 105.8 Fahrenheit. So yeah, they really needed to is... cool you down.
1: Yeah. They needed to cool me down quickly. Yeah.
0: So what was your most memorable experience despite all that delusion of the fever?
1: Um, most memorable thing. Oh, like, I don't want it to sound bad, but I just I I remember it being painful like it was just it was a painful experience like I had mucositis in my intestines I had to have a feeding tube put in like when I do remember that time I remember it with pain Mm. and I don't want to put people off doing it because that sounds really bad sure but like it's it's not it's not a walk in the park like you get told that before you go in.
0: Right. It's a serious procedure.
1: Yeah, definitely. But there's like, there's positives. We like my family met another family that was staying on the ward and, you know, got close to them and listened to their story and their family helped my parents get through it. And they lent on each other for support and you, you find the good, there's good things that happen too.
0: indeed. And so you're a year out now
1: yeah just over a year it's it's crazy. It's gone so quickly.
0: It's amazing how quickly it goes. So, it, just, it feels like yesterday
1: <laughs> well, yeah, how
0: is recovery going for you?
1: yeah, I had a pretty um roller coaster recovery. I'd say i'm I'm still in it. The first three months were pretty pretty intense. The isolation and not being able to eat out of the house and buying specific foods and all those kind of things that you have to do. I'm not sure if that was the protocol for a lot of people that have had HSAT in places like Chicago or Mexico, but because mine was the beam chemo and it was the myeloblative the, the isolation period after when you come home and um, the cleaning protocols and what you have to eat it was a lot more strict sure than what I've heard. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I basically didn't really leave my house for the first three months. If I did, it was, you know, I had a mask on, I didn't touch anyone, I had hand sanitizer with me all the time, and I didn't like go out to cafes or go out to eat or anything. And the first day my, on the three month mark, when I was, we were going out, we're going to go to a cafe to celebrate. I was walking to my car and I fell over and I broke my rib. Oh my gosh. And I fractured my back in two places. Uh, What? So it was, I know it was the most like ironic moment, like finally after three months, let's go. And that happened. So, Mm. you know, there's setbacks.
0: I'm so sorry
1: there's always setbacks, but you know, my back is healed now and that's, that's good.
0: Yeah. That's a very good thing.
1: Yeah. It took a long time for my back to heal because of all the pre HSCT steroids. And then you get a lot of steroids and a lot of chemo does not do well for bones. Sure. So it took a little bit of, a little bit of time, like more extra time for my back to heal. And But now it has healed, and you know I'm do I'm doing okay. I'd say the first six months, you're kind of in this honeymoon phase a little bit, where all of your symptoms go away and everything feels like it's a lot lot better. Mm, Sure. And then, and then you kind of take a little dip. I'd say about like it was like the eighth ninth month mark, and. I felt like I was relapsing and I was scared and I called my team and I said, what's happening? What is this about? And they said that it's quite normal to have a dip at that eighth, ninth, 10th month mark and where you kind of like find your new baseline. So like the honeymoon period is kind of over and now going to find the new baseline at where you're at, where you're really at. So there's like you kind of like get this little bit of like false hope sure. that all of your symptoms are going to go away and then they kind of creep back. But I was relapsing like every two months. I was wow. relapsing a lot and it has been nearly 13 months now and I have not relapsed. Amazing. And... So that is a huge win. Like my MS was so aggressive. It was coming for me at every which way. And it has not made any noise since HSCT. I have not had any, there's no activity. Mm-hmm. Nothing's lighting up in there. It's, we're, it's all silent. Isn't that amazing? It's beautiful. It's like a like I do still feel my symptoms. Sure. Like I'm, I'm in pain and and I'm uh, fatigued, my concentration's off, my cognitive abilities are still a bit off. But, you know, there's room for maintenance and there's still room for recovery there. Um, my team now is getting me into a physiotherapy kind of rehab thing where I can start to learn how to move properly again.
0: Mm. Gate training. And,
1: yeah. Yeah. Like it just, it comes with time and it's a lot longer recovery than they kind of tell you. I, <laughs> I believe think. that.
0: I mean, yeah. Honestly, neuroplasticity, I think is just a very slow process.
1: Mm. Like if you're learning to walk a different way, you've got to make all those pathways. Yes. yes. Yeah.
0: Or like my body learned to walk a certain way before HSCT and post HSCT I can move my body a little differently, but my body doesn't know that it can. It doesn't remember. It wants to default to those old habits and old patterns. Yeah. And so trying to, to break go back that there. with a new pattern, it just takes time.
1: And it's exhausting. Oh, yeah, it really is. <laughs> Mentally and physically, like you're, you're retraining. It's It's, it's hard, well, but it's, worth it. It's
0: so worth it. It's just that, when like your career is so sedentary and so I find myself sitting too much. Right. And then I'm yeah. like, this is the opposite of what I need to be doing in order to create those new pathways. So yeah, it can yeah, be frustrating. I definitely
1: have that problem.
0: <laughs> and so you're still in university or.
1: Well, yeah, I graduated my undergraduate last year in April. So I went to, I wasn't supposed to, cause I was still in my isolation stage wasn't supposed to go to my graduation but I went anyway oh yeah and you deserve that <laughs> I, yeah I thought so and I, I I wore that hat and underneath it was a, a shiny bald head and I walked across that strict stage and threw my hat off and it was great congratulations thank you <laughs> and now I've just started uh my postgraduate degree in psychology so wonderful! I took that year, off. I took last year off and now back to work,
0: back to work. So full-time student. Yeah. <laughs> so why was it important for you to participate in the podcast?
1: Um, I just think because I haven't really heard anyone else, haven't really connected with anyone else who has had the same protocol as me, the same, the beam chemotherapy right. and, and the myeloablative, like I've connected with such amazing people in the um, MS community on Instagram. These people are amazing and they have gone through such trials that I have that that connection when someone just knows what you've gone through Mm. is priceless, Yes. but I still never heard anything about the same, what I've been through, like the exact same procedure. So yeah, maybe somebody's listening and, and they can go, yeah, well, yeah, it was. it's okay to be a year out and still not be recovered because it takes longer than a year sometimes. Indeed. Everyone goes in with a different disability at the start as well. Yes. So everybody's journeys are different and. And like, worth sharing. Yeah. If I, could, if I could run a month after HSCD, I would have done it.
0: Yeah, there's no way. I have, I have not like, I can remember the last time I hustled up the stairs. I'm not sure I can remember the last time I ran because it's been a really long time and I really don't like running. So
1: I used to love running. I used to run a lot, but yeah, that's not, that's not in the picture right now. Maybe in the future, who knows?
0: Like, how does that feel?
1: Like, I don't like, I'm not how do I word it? I'm not happy with what HSCT and other things like menopause and hormone replacement therapy and all of these things have done to my body and, and what MS has done to my body, obviously, but I do have like this feeling like now that I've had this transplant and once I get the past the point where it's less about, um, resting to recover and more about rehab to recover mm. that I can, I can get back into the, the part of my life that made me feel better. Like the yoga, the stretching, the doing the rehab, that kind of stuff to get stronger. And because I was, I was, I was not strong before when I went in, like I was walking with a cane. I it, I did not have any strength in any part of my body really. And I hope to get it back. And I think that I will be able to get it back now because I'm you, not going to, Yeah, I'm absolutely. not relapsing every two months, right? But I did walk into the hospital with a cane and walked out without one. and haven't touched it since. That's so.
0: amazing. Yeah. That's really amazing. Kudos to you. That's strength. I mean, you, you found strength somewhere.
1: Yeah. I don't know where, <laughs> Like every like every person that has had this, I think they're I think they're amazing. I think they're so strong. Whatever for whatever reason that you've had to have chemo or a vascaf or a central line or anything mm. to do with some sort of medical trauma. I just feel like the mental ability that everybody has to go through this yes. is so huge and uh, it's just yeah. The strongest people, the most inspiring people I've met are the ones that have had to go through so much pain and so much suffering
0: and come out the other side, right? Hopeful. Yeah. So did you gain a superpower during your experience with HSCT?
1: Oh, superpower. Mm. I mean, we are all powerful,
0: right? I mean, like you said, it takes so much mental strength even just to go through it. Um, And it sounds like you had every complication possible. And I'm so sorry for that (laughs) experience. Like what, how did you get through all of that?
1: Um, like honestly, like my family, if my, like my mom, especially my dad and my boyfriend, they basically cradled me back to health. They did not let me give up. Those times when I, when I, you know, was actively telling the world and the ward that I am done and I am leaving and I would rather die than go through this, mm. they were the ones that were there and they were saying and they were reminding me what I was doing it for. Those, they were reminding me that I'm doing this so that I can have a life on the other side.
0: Right. Free from disease progression.
1: Yeah. And so I don't think it was my superpower. I think it was theirs. Lifting you up. Their, yeah, their compassion, their empathy, their love. I think, you know, a, a strong support system when you're going through something like this or, you know, anything that's a crisis to you, like you just that strong support system is what's going to get you through. I think critical. Yeah.
0: Clearly they love you very much. Right. And, Mm -hmm. but what was the cost to them? Were they super stressed out? Were they supporting each other to help you through? Like how did it impact them?
1: mm, Well, look, it was a lot on my, on my mom and dad. My, um, So when I was going through IVF and, but just in the period between IVF and doing my first chemotherapy, my, my mum's mum passed away and, you know, she didn't have time to grieve. There was no time. I'm so sorry. She had to, like, she just had to keep looking after me, (sighs) keep taking me to my appointments, keep doing this for me. And, you know, my dad, he, they drove. So my my hospital was about two hours away from their house, and they did that trip every morning and every night. Oh my god! So goodness. that they could be with me in the day. They there was they made sure someone was always with me, and that would have put a massive strain on them. And you know it's it's come to the it's come to the point now where they can finally relax, and they're and they're planning to go on a big holiday, and. I am so incredibly grateful for them and I'm sure it has been horrible and stressful and yeah, it's been financially taxing as well. And, you know, that I couldn't have asked for better people.
0: It's amazing. They did so much for you to see you through this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I can't speak for, I can't speak for my partner, but I'm sure that, there's there's trauma that he holds with him and because he he would go to work in the day and then he would come to the hospital after work and stay with me until he got kicked out and he would do that every day and then, you know, he had to clean the house, cook my food, he had to look after me and make sure that I was okay. And he did that for months Isn't and it months. Tremendous? And he's he's still doing it. And, and in the midst of all that, we still laugh and we still do stupid things together mm-hmm. and have this beautiful relationship that's built on <laughs> medical trauma <laughs> and love but, clearly and love of course. But yeah, like he's handled it amazingly. I don't, I just, I don't know. I I won the lottery, I guess. Yeah, you did. That's
0: beautiful. Beautiful and just a, an important reminder to everyone that caregivers are such a huge component of the whole experience. Yeah,
1: yeah definitely. I can't repay them for what they've done. Like I, mm. I could. I wish I could give them the world, but I, you know, we are
0: so. I don't fortunate. know how you
1: you repay some someone for yeah helping you not die. I right, guess right.
0: <laughs> it, it's such an overwhelming weird surreal to go through the experience and come out of it alive
1: Mm. and then you think back and you go well god how much did we go through and that that feels like it only happened a week ago but it was a year ago and yeah it's crazy
0: yeah I'm two and almost two and a half years out and it's so vivid in my mind like it was just a couple months ago
1: Yeah. Still stays with you.
0: So interesting. So what could you offer as advice to anyone who maybe is recently diagnosed with MS or has just recently found out about HSCT based on your experience? Like what could you offer as advice?
1: Um, Research your doctors thoroughly. If you, if you think of a question, write it down so that when you go and talk to doctors, you have, a hundred questions to ask them and don't leave until they've answered them all. And remember that your doctors work for you, not the other way around demand what you believe that you deserve. Because for a long time, my neurologist said no, no, no to HSCT until I walked into his office one day and demanded that he send my files to a clinical trial and I got in. So what keep was pushing. His,
0: what was his alternative?
1: Um, we didn't really have one at that point, mm. so but why was he so
0: against it?
1: I don't think he was, it's, he's very happy now that I've gotten in, <laughs> but, um, I don't think that he was against it. I think he just, he, he didn't think that I was going to Meet the criteria, so he didn't want to even try, which I thought was a bit weird, but got there in the end. And yeah, my advice is, if you, like if you've just been recently diagnosed, don't Google too much because right. <laughs> you're going to yes. scare yourself. Yes. <laughs> uh, and connect with people. get on Instagram, find the MS community. They're amazing anyone with MS on will will talk to you about it and you will find somebody who understands what you're going through and you'll be able to connect with those people. And if you don't like your neurologist, try and find a new one that you can connect with and go to therapy, go to therapy. Mm, Therapy is amazing. It's going to (laughs) help.
0: Well, yeah, that mental health component is such a big piece of disease experience with disease but then also just going through hsct
1: oh yeah like chronic illness and mental health kind of go hand in hand and i'm, I'm a bit biased because i'm studying to be a psychologist right. but i definitely believe that that therapy and you know mindfulness meditation all of those things that keep the stress levels down mm. gonna keep your pain away keep those pseudo flares from common and i mean not like you can stop a, a relapse from med- with meditation, but you can calm your mind from spiraling about it. Definitely.
0: Right. Control the stress reaction. Yeah. So what is a strategy that promotes recovery for you now with HSCT?
1: Promotes recovery. Well, so I just had my year checkup with my team and what we're going to do like for now as a plan going forward is to do some, uh, physical rehabilitation to uh, see a pain specialist just because I'm having having a little bit of trouble controlling the pain that I'm having throughout the day and um, vaccinations is next on the cards as well so that's my plan sure have you had your titers checked oh no I know ha- I, I haven't retained anything <laughs> sure with my oblative I'm sure that's the case which is a little bit annoying because I have to get all of my vaccinations again, but that's all right.
0: You will survive that too.
1: Yep. What's another needle when you've had 700? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Depends on the placement, right?
1: Oh my God. Definitely.
0: So what are you grateful for about your experience with HSCT? If anything, you had such a rough experience with it.
1: Oh, I'm so grateful. I feel oh, like even though it was bad, I... I'm so lucky like I was only the 46th person in Australia to have it done wow and there's so many people that should be able to get this without going through without having to fight so hard to get it this has stopped my progression like it was one of the most aggressive MS that my neurologist had seen I was continuously relapsing. I well, was not getting a break from the relapses, super active, and I was handed a literal lifeline from these people at St. Vincent's who saved me, and it shouldn't be you win the lottery to stop MS. Mm. It should be you get diagnosed and your option is do you want to have HSCP? That should be it. It should be an option from the beginning, and I am – So grateful that I was chosen to have it done. And even though all of the things I've been through, I can't, I I can't fault it. I can't say that it wasn't worth doing because I'm walking, I'm driving. I can stand up and cook. I can do the things that before HSCT weren't possible. That's amazing. Mm. Like I'm still, like I am still struggling. Sure. But I do, I do, I do believe that time will take care of that.
0: Well, and that's even more reason for people to get access to HSCT sooner.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah, definitely. Mm
0: -hmm. Because yeah, I'm. Sooner the better. Right. I don't like to say I'm dealing with permanent damage. Right. But. It feels like permanent damage. (laughs) It's taking a long time to recover. Oh, yeah. And if I didn't suffer this damage to begin with, it it Mm. would be nice to have found HSCT so much sooner.
1: I do think that as well. Like, like HSCT, like if you, if you lose symptoms after having your transplant, then that's amazing. But the goal obviously is to just stop. Progression. Right. So I still have all that damage from my relapses. Yes. And my, la- my last relapse was to do with my legs. And that was really close to my transplant. It was only a few months before. So even if it was six months before, I wouldn't have had the damage in my brain or the damage in my spine that's controlling my legs at the moment. Right. Like you just think, oh, well, what if it happened a little bit sooner? but I'm still grateful that it happened at all. Yes. Yes. And
0: continuing on that path of rebuilding new neural pathways.
1: Yes. Get that, get those pathways rebuilt. That's what the aim is now. It's
0: been amazing connecting with you.
1: Yeah. It's been really great. <laughs> well, I love
0: that you're in the future and I'm talking with you. <laughs> <laughs> If I could see, like, if I could see into the future and see that we're both building those new neural pathways and healing, it'd be even better. Right. But I love that we were able to connect today in the moment and share our experience with HSCT. Yeah. It's
1: great to learn more about what's
0: happening in Australia just because we have such a good listenership in Australia.
1: Yeah. Bombard them with applicants, people. Well, yeah, I hope it. You maybe know. they'll open it up. Well, and maybe to even more.
0: And maybe more doctors will finally take the time to learn and educate themselves that's, about it, right?
1: Yeah, that's the goal.
0: If only we could get every doctor out there to listen to the podcast.
1: Maybe I should send it to my neurologist.
0: <laughs> there you go.
1: I will. You know what? I'm gonna It wouldn't hurt.
0: It's just an invitation. Exactly out of the 30 almost 40 people I've interviewed not a single person has regretted going through HSCT you
1: know at, at the at the beginning when i first came home sure you and... experienced a lot of roughness <laughs> when i couldn't taste anything like the chemo had stripped my taste buds mm. and i could not taste a thing and water tasted like dish soap oh. and i couldn't eat like I was, I, I I was bitter then. I was like, why can I not eat food? Come on. And that was the only time I regretted it when I really wanted to just eat some food. Well, that's
0: totally understandable, especially after having to have a feeding tube and all the complications you experienced.
1: Yeah. But that's like everything else that's healed as well.
0: Yeah. And here a year later, you're eating whatever you want. I'm sure.
1: Oh, well, that's another story. (laughs) I got a bit of uh, the mucositis that I got in my intestines kind of messed with my digestive system a little bit. Mm. So now there's, now there's some foods that I am allergic to that I wasn't allergic to before transplant, which is very interesting. So I'm now allergic to, yeah, I'm now allergic to garlic and onion. Oh no. Which is the best foods like, when you're cooking something, you put that garlic and onion in the pan first. Mm-hmm. Little saute. Delicious. Smells amazing. Oh my God. It smells amazing. I miss it so much.
0: Well, and but it's, it's hidden in a lot of foods.
1: It is. And that is what is, um, it's sneaky. It's garlic is very sneaky. I'm sorry. But I just think that's, it's weird. And it's such a weird side effect of the transplant. And maybe to it's temporary. To something.
0: Maybe that will heal too.
1: I hope so. I have been told that it won't. <laughs> but I you know, who who knows? There's there's so many things that have happened over the past year that doctors can't explain or they said things are gonna happen and they happen the other way. So we don't know what's gonna happen really.
0: That's so true. Anything is possible.
1: Yeah. It's just like MS, it's uncertain.
0: Indeed. And so much about HSCT is despite all the research behind it, proving effectiveness,
1: Mm. there's everybody's going to have a different journey. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Which is the value in sharing our stories here. Thank you so much. Exactly. Thank you. Uh, Thank you for sharing all the knowledge about Australia and going through myeloblative in Australia and just your experience, despite it being so rough. I just really appreciate you sharing so much.
1: Thank you for having me. I really liked it.
0: Well, and I really appreciate your family taking c- such good care of you and keeping you <laughs> here with us.
1: Shout out to Aviv and Michael. <laughs>
0: Indeed. And I'm, Owen. Yeah, I'm so grateful for them and caring for you. So best of luck to you with recovery and continuing to improve. Thank you very much. If only we could rule the world.
1: I think we would do a really good job. I would agree with that.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh, Jess, it has been... HSCT
1: for everyone. There you go.
0: Anyone suffering with autoimmune disease, everyone deserves a chance. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks to connecting with you, Jess. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. You take good care of yourself. You too. bye. Bye. Be sure to visit Podcast.com where you can find notes from today's episode, submit ideas or feedback, and connect with resources at the HSCT Warriors Incorporated Nonprofit. As always, special thanks to musical genius, Billy Aled-Sauser for sharing his superpowers to create the soundtrack, edit, and produce the audio to make this podcast possible. You can find us both when you subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find your podcasts. It's been so great to connect with warriors worldwide, and we would love to hear from you about how the podcast has helped your journey with autoimmune disease. Take a moment to connect with us on Instagram or share this episode with someone you know that would enjoy listening. In the meantime, we hope you'll tune in next Wednesday for another episode highlighting another HSCT warrior. Until then be a snowflake and embrace your superpowers be kind be well John Stansberry Koenig and the producers disclaim medical influence and responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained in the podcast. If you think you have a medical problem, please contact a licensed physician.